Wednesday, January 23rd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hale. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Inside Value, Joe Mager, and from Fool.com, Austin Smith. Happy Wednesday, guys. Well, what? Thanks for having us. Earnings Palooza. I love it every time it comes around, and we are in the thick of it now. We're going to talk uh, about Coach. We're going to get into McDonald's latest quarter, but we're going to start with big tech, and that means Google. Fourth quarter earnings came in higher than expected. Shares up more than 6% this morning, Joe Mager. And I know we talked about this on Investor Beat yesterday. You, This was your one to watch. What did you make of the quarter? I'm guessing you weren't expecting it to be this good. No. It was a good quarter. I was happy with cost per click coming in at a better drop than people expected. So what's been happening at Google is they've basically been trading down on the average price that they get for the ads that they sell in exchange for more clicks. And that's ultimately because of mobile. So there are a lot more mobile ads being clicked upon. Mobile ads today capture a lot lower price than desktop ads because we don't buy as much stuff on our phones. That is going to... A gap will close there eventually, but I was pretty happy with the deceleration and dropping there. And I know that might sound like, you know, analyst speak, and I guess it kind of is, but that was good news. And overall, it was a very strong quarter. And, you know, I kind of think of quarterly results with a company like Google. There's a lot of noise there, and you shouldn't read too much into the financials. It's more of a moat inspection. And when I look at Google and the results that came out yesterday in the conference call, it's a business that I keep seen as strengthening and the moat is widening and i am a very happy long-term shareholder Uh, austin i don't uh ever listen to conference calls um but i they're awesome yeah (laughs) for for many reasons i don't ever listen to conference calls and yet one of the things i noticed in the coverage of apple was there were a number of people who were commenting that the main focus of the conference call uh, for the first time in a while was not mobile um, it was more focused on Google's uh, attempts at innovation. And the takeaway that some people were getting from that is, you know what? G- Google seems to be in better command of the mobile platform than they've been in a while. Um, I'm wondering what you think about that and what you thought of their quarter in general. I would absolutely reiterate that. I would say Google is as strong on mobile as they've ever been. And due to Joe's point about sort of accepting the lower cost per click will probably strengthen. And it's, you know, it, it's no mystery why when you have a, a free operating system, it, 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 it's a tough price for anybody right. else to match. It's a good right? price. So, uh, yeah, I, I think their, their position in mobile is strengthening. I think they're one of the better companies to own for, you know, this big transition to mobile that we're seeing over the next few years. There are very few tech companies that are actually going to, you know, sort of survive, if not thrive in the transition. Google's likely to be one. Uh, we've talked before, Joe, about Apple and their huge cash balance and essentially their, if not reluctance, their unwillingness to spend it on anything in terms of acquisitions. When you look at Google and their financial strength, um, you know, part part of this, the results this quarter, um, they're still dealing with the uh, the Motorola acquisition, um, but I think that wasn't as big a hit uh, in term. Uh, uh, that wasn't a big, as big a negative hit uh, on their results as some people maybe were thinking. Um, I'm not suggesting there's another twelve billion dollar acquisition on the table that they're about to make, but when you look at sort of the universe in front of them, um, where do you think they'll be looking? Hmm. Well, for starters, I I have to defend the Motorola acquisition a little bit. I know that Motorola, the business, the hardware business, is not a particular. Was I attacking good one. the Motorola? I wasn't <laughs> just attacking. A little well, bit. I didn't mean to. I, I, seriously, I wasn't trying to attack it. I'm just saying that they're still paying. I hear you. I hear you. But I'm going to defend it anyway because <laughs> okay. I know a lot of people say you know it's a twelve 
$12 billion acquisition. But when you break that down, they actually had about $3 billion in net cash. There was another couple billion in present value of future tax savings that they're getting out of it. And they sold off another part of the business. So really, they only ended up paying about $3 billion for Motorola, the phone maker, okay. plus all of those patents. So in that context, it was really a steal of a purchase for them. And yeah, is it going to be you know kind of a headache to turn around? Yes. But it also gives them great strategic options on rolling out their own phones. Now, what was your question again? <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you see them making another acquisition anytime soon? And if so, uh, of note, and if so, is it is it going to be down that same road? Is it going to be is it going to automatically be something in the mobile space, or you know, um, would they make a wild stab at a at a social play like Twitter? Because they have been as and you've been a, long been a champion of Google Plus, yes. um, But they they continue to whack away with Google Google Plus with some level of success, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I think that you're going to see more tuck in acquisitions, and you're going to see more acquisitions like an ITA. Uh, the travel search that basically plug into the massive platform that they have. Any, they've got a massive platform as is. They don't need more massive platforms. What they need are more verticals to plug in and fill gaps in that platform that can strengthen the rest of it. And so when I look at something like Twitter, I really do think that it makes so much more sense for Google to buy Twitter because it, it shores up Google's social sense. Obviously, Google Plus has been a success. Even if people are just now kind of coming around to that, it's been a pretty big success. Uh, but Twitter would definitely round that out. Twitter is much more mobile-friendly. That's where Google wants to be big. Google needs to shore up real-time news. Twitter could solve that problem. And there's a lot more. Frankly, I think they could deliver a better product on Twitter, better monetized Twitter. So I think it would be a natural fit, something along those lines, instead of another hardware company. Austin, do you own shares of Google? I do. What do you think of the stock right now at this price? Obviously, it's having a good day. And by the way, congratulations to you both on that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I mean, I, I, I like Google today. And I think to Joe's point earlier, when you look at Google, it's much more of a moat assessment. And Google's moat is most definitely widening. So it, when you say, you know, at today's price, it's much more, you know, it, it doesn't seem grossly overvalued to the growth that they're getting. And they're a strengthening company. Um, so I, I'm happy with them today. I, I'm, I'm a happy shareholder. Uh, Joe covers them in much more depth than I can. So maybe, <laughs> maybe he can say what, what percent the, the price is over or undervalued. But as a company with a moat and at a the multiple that they have, I love them. Still a value? Yeah, I'm working through the valuation update. I've been busy in the last 12 hours. <laughs> and I was just digesting the news. Uh, you know, I don't think it's a screaming buy here. I, I've liked it at other prices, and it's a volatile stock. And if you're patient, I think you'll be able to get a good one. But that said, I own it. It's a core stock at inside value, and it's probably going to stay that way for a long time. You can add Coach to the list of retailers having a rough holiday quarter. Uh, shares down more than 14% this morning after second quarter results showed weak sales in both the United States and in Europe. Austin, mm. uh, tough day for Coach. Very tough day for Coach. As a Coach shareholder, it basically <laughs> counters out any gain I got from neutralized, <laughs> balancing out the Google. There At, you go, back to zero. Um, it was it was not a good earnings release. There's no doubt about it. You can't sugarcoat it. But it wasn't 15 percent bad, right? It, it was. You think this is an overreaction? A- absolutely. This this feels to me like a very big knee jerk reaction. And we look, we, we saw there, there was no mystery that it was a weak holiday quarter for a lot of retailers. We've seen data come out from MasterCard. Crocs came out just a few days ago and said they had a weak holiday quarter. This is nothing new. And to many, in many ways, this, this expectation should have been built in. And what we saw was flat North American sales, uh, strong Asian sales and, and weak European sales. 
but not necessarily glaringly I, nothing terrifying. Uh, Coach still has a couple bullets in their chamber. They didn't resort to discounting like a lot of uh, retailers in the past have, which is smart because Coach has one of the very few durable luxury good brands. And that you know, at the first sign of trouble, they're not going to sacrifice it and throw it under the bus by discounting it just to make some quarterly uh, number. So it, it was bad, but the sell-off seems exaggerated to me. And I think as a long-term story, that you know, this is something you have to. Tuck into your your understanding of where Coach is being positioned, but they still have a lot of potential to run in Asia, and particularly with their expansion of men's products that continue to do well. I think I think they saw a twelve percent gain in their. Uh, I know I could use a handbag. Yeah, <laughs> it's a merce. Are you are you fishing for for a handbag? Is that it? Uh, well, I don't know. I, everyone at the company loves Coach pretty unanimously, and it's a great brand. And right now, at what fifteen x earnings, I don't think that's a rich price for a company with the brand cachet that it has. Why do you think there was that overreaction, though? Because to your well, point, I've got a butt in there. Oh, okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay, so the butt is that I am a little worried when I hear them start talking about wanting to be more of a lifestyle company. When I, when I hear lifestyle, I totally agree with Austin that. It's really important for a brand like Coach, which is you know top shelf, that they avoid discounting. Right. When I hear lifestyle, that means we're going to try and leverage the brand. And in a sense, that's good because you're going to make a little more money off the Coach brand, maybe a lot more money. But what you're diluting, what you're doing is ultimately kind of diluting the brand if you're not careful. And if they go too far off the deep end with, you know, Merces and belts, shoelaces. There are points where you can go. What is too a purse? Is that a male a, a purse for a man? A male purse. It is a male purse. It's like the man's ear. Oh, that's just a terrible. The word. The bro. <laughs> that's just a terrible word. Um, but uh, as a longtime Starbucks shareholder, I remember when Starbucks in the late nineties came out and said they were going to be a lifestyle company and had a... a yeah, well, that was a total botch. Well, right? that was a total botch. But my point is that I feel like a company like Coach is better able to execute something like that than a Starbucks, where it's like, you know what, just sell me my coffee. I don't need you to sell me a a, a luxurious leather couch as well, which is what they were trying to do. That's true. Where I would throw a little caution out there is that Starbucks had the, you know, could lean back on, they sell a product that people buy every day and they're physically addicted to. I'm not physically addicted to $800 handbags. (laughs) But, you know, it's a a high, high repeat purchase item that Starbucks had go in there. So there was a little more security. If I was paying 15x earnings for a Starbucks or a Coach, I would definitely take Starbucks just because of the vis- visibility of the earnings. By the way, that was a lie. I can't quit coffee whenever I want. Um, <laughs> just to wrap up on the stock, um, Austin, I'm assuming you're you're uh, of the same mindset of Joe that that you know this is really for anyone who's looking at Coach long term. Today's really more of a buying opportunity. If, if, yes, if you like coach long term, today is definitely a buying opportunity. Now the space is getting more difficult, right? Michael Kors is coming on strong. They, they've put out a lot of great products that are that are well received. But I think the thing with coach is you have a great management team, a durable brand, industry leading margins, and just they, they've been able to execute so well for so long that you shouldn't look at today in a vacuum. You should understand that coach is a long term story. It's still about Asian growth and expansion into men's products and you know potentially other accessories, belts. Wallets, what have you, and, and that—that—that's shoelaces. That—that's the key. Please don't ever use the word "merce" again. <laughs> Just don't. Uh, know what I'm getting you for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, McDonald's fourth quarter revenue up two percent, uh, and Joe December uh, same store sales were pretty good when you consider that they had kind of a tough comp. Um, 
uh, shares were basically flat, maybe just slightly in the negative column when we walked in the studio this morning. Um, I think I should also point out that management did come out and say, um, whatever you thought of our comps in December, we're expecting January to be in the negative. So, yeah, which would only be the second time, I think, in a decade where they've had a negative monthly comp, which is amazing. And that's part of the reason the stock is in the grand scheme of things, kind of slowed down. Um, you actually have some negative comps rolling over there. But I'm not overly concerned about that. I own McDonald's. I think this is still a wonderful business. And when you look at why that is, you dig into the, the reasons behind what could be a tough January. I don't think it's a fundamental weakness in the business. I think it's a weakness in Europe. where They get about 40% of their revenue. There's only so much they can do about that. And when you look stateside, uh, Burger King and Wendy's are both coming on strong in terms of delivering better products and very aggressively competing. In the short term, that's a problem for McDonald's. In the long term, I don't think either of them can really keep up with McDonald's in terms of staying top of stop of mind with consumers. Uh, Austin, when you look at these type of uh, restaurants, uh, are these the kind of stocks that interest you? And if so, why or why not? McDonald's is basically the only stock in this space that interests me. Starbucks to some degree, but I, I'm also a McDonald's shareholder. Um, I'm a big bull on them long term. Uh, I like McDonald's just because they, they reached an inflection point years ago where nobody else is going to catch up to them. And they have such a strong underlying business model of their real estate, uh, mm-hmm. you know, where they own all the real estate and the land and the buildings. It's just this cash flow generating machine that you love. So basically the worst case scenario here is that we're running up against what McDonald's is able to do on a per store productivity basis. You know, they rolled out all their McCafe lines, they've had some margin expansion and at some point yeah, you you can only do so much and after being, you know, eking out efficiencies for 25, 30 years, you you start to hit that ceiling. So the worst case scenario is they're butting up against that ceiling and they just continue to generate insane amounts of cash and they've got a great dividend and they buy back shares and they sort of become, in a sense, like a tobacco stock. Um, and that's, that's the safety. Hey, 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 whoa. <laughs> and, and, and that's the safety net, right? So if that's the worst case scenario is they just continue to churn out huge, huge amounts of cash and pay a great dividend and buy back shares, that's fine. What do you mean when you say like a tobacco stock? <laughs> that they're killing – no, I'm kidding. <laughs> that, that it's just this – Shut this off. Turn this off. Max, <laughs> shut it down. Mics. That you have this, this really reliable uh, cash flow generating machine that just yep. provides enormous amounts of free cash flow that you can just pour back into buying shares and paying great dividends. And you don't need to see a lot of top line growth to get outsized – Earnings growth when you have that sort of supersized, awesome, <laughs> supersized. I would not go that far. I went there. Your words, not mine. <laughs> um, as I mentioned, Joe, they had a good December, um, particularly against a tough comp. Um, it can't be a coincidence that that's when they rolled out the McRib, right? I mean, what my takeaway, and I'm not a shareholder, is just never bet against the McRib. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of that uh, Clash of the Titans movie, you know, a few years ago with Liam Neeson. He doesn't break out the Kraken right. often, but when he does, he's like, release the McRib. <laughs> You've got to be judicious when you roll that thing out. I, I, I think that's probably true because the McRib strikes me as one of those things like, yeah, every once in a great while, sure. If you, it, it benefits from just a, a limited release, whereas if it was available all the time, it would just sort of lose its appeal. In the executive suite, they actually have a break glass in case of emergency box, and there's a McRib <laughs> in there. <laughs> Austin Smith, Joe Maker, guys, thanks for being here. Thanks. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear 
That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Have you had a McRib? No. I've never had one. i got to be honest. The concept grosses me out a it, little bit. They look disgusting. I don't understand the, the, the power that they pull. I mean, but but they are. They're a force but on the McDonald's menu. Maybe it's in part because we live in a place where there's really good barbecue. Like, you can get good ribs in this area without a great deal of difficulty. So that's why it's like, well, that, that holds no appeal. But maybe that's part of it where it's like, eh, if you just if you don't have a lot of options on ribs, I don't know. I remember as a kid, the first time I made the connection that those weren't real bones in the sandwich. Like, I looked at it and I'm like, wait a minute. Why would I eat a sandwich with bones? <laughs> oh, those aren't bones? Well, how did they? Mm. Well, I don't want to know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's where you just don't want to know.